Testing, testing. I don't know why it does that all the time. Okay, so here's the thing about the LSU game yesterday. Uh, and I wanted Mac to be here because he's an LSU fan. But, but this will get to him, and maybe that uh, when it gets back to him, it's worse than if he'd heard it to his face. So I'm talking behind his back. LSU guy goes up there, and he takes four steps before he makes that, free th- that, that layup. What's that called? And they call it the great game-winning game. And I'm like, it's not the game-winning shot. It was a violation. What is wrong here? It has nothing to do with this sermon. I just wanted to vent for a minute. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Bearing false witness. Uh, right now, it's interesting uh, to be reading this verse in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and discussing this because so much is happening right now that pertains to this very thing. So we come to commandment number nine. We've done with a lot. We've dealt with a lot of things, but now we get to number nine, and he says, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, and so we have trials right now in our country going on, very prominent ones, that are every day being updated in the news. There are people getting their kids into prestigious colleges under false pretenses, even as we speak, right? You've seen that story if you've watched the news. Politicians everywhere, both parties, this is no picking on any party at all, except I'm picking on both of them. Politicians everywhere trying to account for the things that they've said, which they quite honestly can't remember, which disuntruth they've been telling at what time. And it comes back to haunt them all the time. This ongoing investigation in the middle of the basketball game today, they said breaking news, here's the results of the investigation on our president. Is he being honest when it comes to the election or not? And so we have that question before us. And then we have this famous football team owner who's doing everything he can to keep the evidence against him out of the public eye. It's pretty clear, isn't it, that we have a crisis of truth in our country, or maybe a crisis of untruth. I don't even know if we expect people to tell the truth anymore. Checks in the mail, or somebody does a, is going to do a carpenter job at your house. I'll be there on Monday. It's another week before he gets there. And he feels no need to tell you and call you and tell you that he's going to do it. Just, I don't have to keep my word. It's just at a time where nobody even expects you to. And the end of that comes this commandment number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which we've all shortened this to be thou shalt not lie, right? That's basically what we shorten the ninth one. Uh, but that's not really true. God is against lying. Um, He's a God who cannot lie. Here's a verse for you, or several verses. Uh, God does not lie. God, it is impossible for God to lie. He, if he wanted to, he couldn't. That's the kind of God we serve is that he just, he's all truth, capital T. And because he's capital T, T truth, he cannot tell an untruth or be deceptive toward his people at all. But the original setting of this command had to do with law and order in the court system. And it was very important for any nation to have some kind of structure of law and order for any kind of life to be able to be sustained and to thrive. And so in order to have truth, structure, law and order, and justice, the truth had to be told. And so there's all sorts of laws in the Old Testament that guarded telling the truth, that made you take very seriously the words you spoke with your mouth. Now, in our culture, when you come before, when there's a trial, we don't put a lot of stock in testimony anymore. We're so used to being lied to that testimony is not really the convincing thing. What is the convincing thing 
in a court of law when you're presenting evidence. DNA and fingerprints and oh, video. If you can get a video, you've got them clamped down, right? Because we don't trust people's words anymore. But in ancient Israel, when you didn't have any of those things, you couldn't have a video from that convenience store or from that bank. You didn't have any of that stuff. You only had the words of a witness. If you're going to have truth at all, if you're going to have justice at all, it must be that we tell each other the truth or a community will not be sustained. You cannot build a society or community without truth. And so here's some of the laws they set up when it came to testifying in court. A witness didn't just serve as the witness. The witness was also the executioner. If it was your testimony that put somebody away or caused somebody to have to die, guess who got to throw the first stone? The witness. And also, there's a protection about this. We're going to see that in just a second. But a second one is major cases against a person. You couldn't do that. You couldn't convict on the basis of one eyewitness. You see this in the New Testament too, right? There's several cases where you see several scriptures. Look at 1 John toward the end, and he says, These three bear witness to Jesus. The water and the spirit and the blood. There's got to be more than one witness. You can't just rely on one. And so you've got to have two or three witnesses because it's so easy for somebody to lie. But also, if the witness perjured himself, he gets what the person being tried was supposed to get. If it's in a capital crime, he murdered so-and-so, and you lie to get him put away, guess who gets the death penalty? The witness. So you better, as a witness, you better be serious about telling the truth. You better protect yourself. You better protect yourself by doing one thing. Just tell the truth. And it's not just for the, the character of the person speaking. It's also vital for the well-being of the community. So that when Paul comes along in the New Testament, he really is one of the few that says something directly about lying. And here's what he says. Each one of you, talking about the church in, in general, congregation, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? We're all members of one body. A body can't function if it's lying to itself. The communal nature of the sin is what makes lying so bad. So imagine, imagine your body trying to fool itself. Your leg says, I'm, you know, something's wrong. I've got a, 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 something's really wrong. And you start make, giving attention to the leg. And he just says, ha, ha, hand uh, that reaches down there to kind of squeeze it because you know earlier. Uh, I was just kidding, psych, right? I mean, the body would hurt you do this very many times. Oh, it's getting hot in here, and you, and you turn the air conditioner down, or, or you're, you're in, a, in a bath where they're turning the water up real hot and real hot, and, and you're lying to yourself, it's not really hot, and then you fry yourself to death, or you boil yourself, right? You can do all sorts of weird things, and you know what happens to a community of people that keeps lying to itself? This destroys that body from within. You cannot be a culture built on lies. And so he says several things, bearing false witness, puts you into company with bad people. Bearing false witness does violence to other people who are good, and it sows discord among brothers. A big part of this was the greed that caused rich people to pay off a false witness. And the Old Testament God hated it when you had false measurements, 
when you bore false witness against somebody who was wealthy to, for the sake of, of, of indicting the poor. In our culture, this is one of the most enormous problems we have because if you can pay some good lawyer, he can get you off almost scot-free. If you can't, you may not get justice at all. That's the way our culture is. The commercials are all saying this. And even when it comes to, like, disability, this is crazy. People who really need disability can't get it without going to a lawyer, and a lawyer charges them an arm and a leg in order to get that, right? And our culture is just built backwards this way. It hurts the people who are truthful, and it blesses the people who are deceitful. Can you think of people who are victims of false witness? Jesus was. Didn't tell the truth about him under oath. Stephen was. But the most famous case of all is whom? Ahab really wants that vineyard. He wants that vineyard bad. It's just outside the palace. And he thinks, man, I want that property right there. I'd love to have it. And uh, he inquires about it. He talks to his wife. Ahab's wife's name is Yes, yeah, she's a wicked lady. Nobody names her kid Jezebel because of her. And so she's got like a, well, there is one. I was doing a sermon on this one time, and I said nobody names their daughters Jezebel. Joe Yale is a friend of mine who's a dentist down in Louisiana, and he says, I have a patient named Jezebel. I said, that's because you're in Louisiana. Anyway, so you're in Cajun country. That's pretty cool down there, right? Well, anyway, so there, there might be. So the idea is she's so evil, and she says, and he says, I, I, I inquired. So Ahab inquired, and Naboth says, that, fam, that property's been in my family for years. It's my religious right. It's part of a promise from God. I can't sell it to you. And he mopes around like a little, you know, boy who's been told he can't have any candy. And Jezebel says, what's wrong with you? Well, I really want that land. I'd love to have that property right there. It's got a beautiful vineyard, and it's right there, and it's just, I'd like to have it, but he won't sell it. Oh, bummer. And she says, yeah, are you a king or are you a wimp? I'll get you that vineyard. You remember how she did it? Set up this great big banquet, paid off two people, two, not just one, paid off two people to bear false witness against this guy. He did something that was disgusting against God. And they rose up and they said, can you believe what this man said? He said something that's treasonous to our country about God. And so they take him out and they stone him. And now Jezebel comes back and says, here's your land, honey. You can have it. That's bearing false witness for the sake of something you want you couldn't have without it. God is furious. He sends Elijah down there and says, you're done. And by the next chapter, he's dead in a very violent way. God can't stand it. He wants us to be people of truth. We do not stoop to the measure of either bribery or telling falsehood under oath. And a closely related issue. In the Old Testament, you're never required to make an oath. You're never required to say one to God. You don't have to promise God anything under oath. But if you do make an oath, you must keep it because it's a word you've given to God. And God, as a God of truth, takes the words of his people very seriously. If you promise God something, you need to deliver on it. That's the Old Testament. And the most weird case of that is whom? Jephthah, right? He makes this weird vow of God, if you give me victory in battle, the first thing that comes walking out of the door of my house, I'm going to sacrifice it to you. What do you think is going to come out of your house? I think he thought his wife would, and he'd get rid of his wife, and he'd get a new model, right? 
all in the name of being faithful to God, right? Didn't work for Job, and it didn't work for him either. It ended up being his daughter, his only child. Be careful what you say in the context of God because he takes it seriously. And we need to be people who realize that the only thing that really makes our words matter is our character. And if our words are compromised, so is the character behind them. That's what God views it. Our words matter. Now, I want to say just two or three things. We're going to, we're going to close out quickly, and that is this. Um, first, when you hear something, before you pass it along, make sure it's true. And this is no easy thing anymore, is it? All this world of fake news and alternative facts, and it's, it's bizarre, the words you're going to hear on the news. We are used to lying so bad that we are no longer shocked. We are no longer really shocked about this in our culture. A few weeks ago, my mom was really frustrated. She said, can you believe Henry Winkler died and nobody is covering that in the news? What's wrong with people? And I said, the Fonz? Fonz is dead? That's terrible. So I go on the news and I look it up. It was a hoax. They tried to get all the news programs to set, you know, to fall for it. He was alive and well. They interviewed him the next morning on the news about this hoax and thing. My mom didn't hear the news thing in the morning, so she's going around thinking, Henry Winkler's dead and nobody said anything about it. Now, to you, that's no big deal, but us Happy Days fans, that's a big deal. And you look it up and you realize it was a hoax they're passing on. And there's all sorts of stuff like this. I remember a few years ago, Procter & Gamble, everybody boycotted them because they're a bunch of Satan worshipers. Even the symbol that they use to brand their product is, is satanic. And all these Christians go around and try to get people to sign up and boycott. You remember all this? And it was all just kind of dumb. It makes us look like idiots when we don't do our homework on this stuff. Listen, if you hear something about somebody locally or even nationally, before you pass it on... Make sure it's true. And if you don't want to go to the work of making sure it's true, just don't pass it on. Right? I mean, that's the easiest thing to do. I'm one of these people. I do not want to spend an hour trying to figure out if this is a true story or not. So I just don't pass it along. Just forget it. It's not worth it. And half the Facebook stuff you see is a bunch of baloney. It rhymes. Did you get that? It, it, it's, it's so be careful passing that stuff along. So if you say something, I need, you need to be a kind of person that when you speak, everybody goes, that's true, because he speaks only truth. They argue you're going to be fooled sometimes, and that's just, you, you can't get away from it in our culture. You're going to think something is true, Henry, Henry Winkler being done. My mom just knew that was true. You know, just try your best. And if you can't figure it out, just don't pass it along. Because God says, you need to be a person who bears truth in the world, in the words you say, in the actions you exhibit. So when you hear something, test it and see if it's true. Keep in mind also you're responsible for the words you say. This is really difficult for a preacher to say because I could spend the next hour telling you all the flub-ups I've made of words I've said that were not what they should have been. Words that mean different to me than what other people think. A week ago or so, Ed Salo, you know, has me sit in a chair and said, sit down, sit down. I said, oh, I'm in trouble now, you know. When a member tells you to sit down, it means I'm about to lecture you, ASU professor and on. He said, what do you have against pit bulls? I have nothing against a pit bull. They've never attacked me. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't like the singer pit bull, but, but as far as pit bulls, dogs... He says, you know, did you realize you use that a lot in sermons? Pit bulls? I said, I don't remember a single sermon with a pit bull in it. 
Anybody remember a pit bull sermon? Pit bull. Uh, see, you don't remember either. Oh, okay. Kristen uh, Addison Brown, of course. Nothing wrong with pit bulls. I don't remember saying that, but listen, here's the thing. You are responsible for what you say, even if you can't remember exactly what it was. The thing is to do this, always tell the truth, and then it won't matter. You can remember it pretty easily. If you tell a lie, it's kind of hard to remember which lie you told, and it kind of catches up with you. At the same time, recognize sarcasm when you hear it. I don't want to take the humor and the, uh, the sarcasm that Tony Pearson has out of his vocabulary, he would be completely unbearable if you take that away from him, right? And, and there's so many other people like that who are jokester people, and I don't want to sit there and look at them and say, well, you're lying to me. It's not a lie. You recognize when they're using humor. So take, take a little bit of grain of salt when certain people are talking to you and realize that's part of our humor and our uh, uh, dialogue in our culture. And, and you don't want to take that away. So there are sermons with stories that are exaggerated, but I'll usually tell you when they are, or it's so obvious I don't need to say it. And pit bulls are just fine, as long as you keep them tied up. <laughs> One other thing that I think needs to be said in our culture about this, and it doesn't fit here. That's why I'm putting it here. I know it sounds weird. There are people who believe vastly different things from you and they, they say it as if it's truth and they preach it very vehemently because it's what they believe. And you won't agree. You'll go on Facebook and they'll talk about, you know, a person should be able to choose their own gender if they want to. Listen, I'm totally, totally in opposition to that belief. It goes against everything I believe about Scripture, but there are people who I befriend who believe that very strongly. They're just saying, this is what I believe, and I think we should let people live this way. I am not crushed by their words. Their words do not hurt me. They, do, they are not violent. They're just words I disagree with. And I do not have to take issue with them, and I do not have to attack them. I do not even have to respond to them. It's just everybody has different beliefs sometimes, and you know what? Let them say it. Don't take it personal. Don't take up issue with them. If I did this, I would be taking up issue with Norma Turner all the stinking time. There's just so many people going around there thinking, I've got to take up issue with every single person who disagrees with me. And here's the thing. I think it's wrong to kind of choose your gender. I think it's wrong to, to, to be the kind of person scripturally God is against homosexuality. But people have a right in our country to be that way. And we respect them and love them, even when we disagree with them. It does not crush us. It does not hurt us. It's not a violence. It is not a lie. They are, they are mistaken in my view and Scripture's view, but they have a right to have that view, and I don't have to take it personal. Be mature, listen to what they're saying, and simply say, well, I appreciate what you're saying, but I disagree, and we're not going to agree on this, but I'm not going to attack you either. And I'm not going to say, you know, we're not going to have this violent interaction with each other. This needs to overtake um, Facebook and a lot of our interpersonal, and even these... Uh, political discussion. So much of this stuff is just all posturing. It's all people trying to look good with everybody else, and it's just ridiculous. I'm looking at politicians and saying, you all are a bunch of childish junior high kids in a big fuss with each other.
Just discuss with each other and realize you're not going to agree on everything and move on. It does not do violence. They are not crushing me. They are not trying to, in some way, kill me. I, I hear this all the time in these college settings where this speaker comes and I disagree with him and he's hurting us. He is attacking us and he can't come here and speak. That's baloney. Grow up, young man. Grow up and understand the world doesn't agree with you completely and it doesn't have to. Listen to what they're saying. Tell them how much you disagree and why and walk away. Grow up and realize not everybody agrees. That does not fit with what we're talking about as far as lying is concerned. But I will say this last thing. I'm going to take it out of context also, but I'll tell you that I'm doing it so it makes it okay. John 8 says this. I want you to just repeat after me. You ready? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The best thing you can do to be a person of truth is make sure that your belief, make sure that your ethics, and make sure your lifestyle flows out of the words of Christ. And at that point, you'll never have to apologize and you'll never have to be afraid that you're going to be made ashamed because his words have been disproven. They never will be disproven. They are how you build your life on truth. The weirdest interaction in all of Scripture, it seems to me, is in Pilate and Jesus. And Pilate wants to know, what is truth anyway? What is truth? As a politician, I want you to think about this. Even in the first century, a politician says, there's no such thing as truth. It's, it's what's politically popular now. It's what everybody believes now. What is truth? And Jesus looks at him and says what? I am the truth. You can build your life on this and never worry about your foundation being shaken or disproven or discounted somehow. Build your life on Christ and live your life as he did. That's the best way you can be a person who bears true witness all the time. If there's anyone who needs to respond this evening and be a person who, I want to know the truth, I want the truth to set me free, and I want to abide by it, and I want to embody it, you say the name of the person who is truth, Jesus. You confess his name. You're immersed in the waters of baptism. You rise to walk a life of truth in lordship to him. And if you've fallen for something different and may need to make your life right, come back to the truth as we stand and as we sing to encourage you. On bended knee I come.